You're listening to the Clonmel Junction Arts Festival podcast, which takes place from the 3rd to the 11th of July. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to the podcast. This week we're going to be talking to Festival Director Cleena Marr about parts of the programme that we haven't mentioned over the last few weeks that are coming up. It's the week this week of the festival starting this Saturday. So today we're going to hear from Louise Nealon, who I'm actually going to be doing a live podcast next Tuesday, the 6th at 1 o'clock. We're also going to hear from Eileen Atchison. She's the curator of the Spoken Word event. We're also going to hear from Jack Reardon about the Collins Hall play that's going to be on. And finally, we're going to hear from Michael Kennedy, whose book launch is this Sunday in the Dome at 11.30am. And his book is called Tittle Tattle. And it's worth staying on to listen to him today because he's got some great stories about his career in the theatre business. And finally, before we talk to Kleena, just a reminder that the festival starts this Saturday, the 3rd, until the following Sunday, the 11th of July. And all the programme is on junctionfestival.com. Kleena, you're very welcome to the podcast. We're one week away from, well, less than a week away from the festival. It's actually this Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so very exciting, I have to say. So it's this week that we have the festival. So first, I think we're recording this um, Tuesday and it was on the news about numbers and things like that. So we might ask you about that, about live audiences in the Dome. Yeah, so I suppose we weren't surprised, but we did finally get the the kind of the news that organised indoor events can't go ahead. So what we're doing in what we're doing in the dome can be live streamed. Um, you know, online audiences can watch it. We'll have the performers here in Clonmel, but we won't be able to welcome audiences into the dome. So that'll be. That'll be next year, Fergal. <laughs> but I think what's really important is that you, you designed the programme for this. So everything on the programme, junctionfestival.com, is happening. Absolutely. So we, we kind of we designed it with the idea that we didn't want to have to cancel anybody. Um, it's really difficult for an artist to get a cancellation. And some people have just had everything falling off their diary all year. So we said, look, you know, we need to be able to say to people in January, you have a gig on the 7th of July. Um, so we have moved things around a little bit, but and there are certain things that we had always planned as online events, because I think there are certain things that are just easier to organise. So say, for example, we have, we're starting the festival with our theatre symposium, Performing Irish, and, um, you know, everybody's just going to phone in their performance. Uh, it's going to be a discussion about Paul Helferty, who's a lecturer in UCD. It's going to be a discussion about, I suppose, that old chestnut, the, the stage Irishman, um, and it's not relevant anymore, was it ever relevant, but it's like who gets to be seen on stage today. So there's some really, Jim Culleton from Fishamble, the artistic director of Fishamble is going to participate. Um, and so is Jasmine Kyodi, who is leaving her position at Tipperary Dance Platform and moving to become the artistic director of Dublin um, Dance Festival. Next month, I think. So it's a, it's going to be an interesting conversation, and um, I think you know it's it's something that people can watch live or they can watch later on on YouTube. Um, and then I suppose the other thing that we have spoken about is that as well as all the performances in the dome, we also have all our outdoor 
trails and our kind of range of things happening throughout the town. And I know you've spoken to um, uh, Eileen about the identity, what's in the name, the spoken word, and, um, you know, the, the lads are upstairs at the moment rehearsing for Collins Hall. So we've got a kind of a number of great things happening that will be live streamed, but we will also have... You know, we've Lucy Phelan's exhibition, exhibition, which has gone up. We have um, the Cabinets of Curiosity, which is our project with the Tipperary Museum, where we'll have miniature museums out on the street. We'll have a number that are from groups. So the Tesco staff are putting one together, um, the Pride Committee, the transition years from the high school and, and the presentation. Um, but also individuals. Danny Carroll has prepared one. Maureen Purcell has prepared one. Paul Walsh from Roy Seven. Uh, Kriti Katri, um, who's an artist. So the idea is that it's their version of Clonmel identity through objects. And those will be in shop windows and in the museum. And you'll see them kind of everywhere from uh, marketplace and through showgrounds and a lot of different places around town. Um, we also have, in terms of sort of things that you'll see as you go around town, we have the Past Times Outdoor Exhibition. And it's basically an exhibition of photography from the past. The earliest photograph is from 1853. Um, and it's photographs of Clonmel put back in the place where they were taken. So I think there'll be, you know, something that will just give us a little bit of, um, I suppose, room for conversation and room for discussion about how we use our public spaces. Um, and then I suppose another outdoor installation that we'll have is Green Streets, which is Rachel Rothwell's installation at the uh, at our dome site. It's beside the library there. And she will be doing a live installation of that on Saturday, the first day of the festival. And then she'll be doing some workshops on the Sunday. There's a workshop, uh, there's a family workshop in the morning on Sunday and then sort of a, a workshop with adults in the afternoon. All of that will be outdoors. Um, and uh, that's a project that's basically looking at kind of the origins of Clun Mala and our name. Um, and it's, it's a project where she is, I suppose, creating a wildflower trail through these little sculptural pieces. Um, so those are all things that, you know, no matter what, is going on we we still have lots of things that we can do in town lots of things to look at lots of things to talk about um and of course then you can sit back and watch any of the performances on your phone or your pc or you know however however you do your online events so it, as i said it everything as i always say everything's on junctionfestival.com everything's on the website and yeah and i'm, I'm looking forward i mean this day week, I'm looking forward to your podcast with Louise Nealon. Exactly. And again, it's, you know, we're, we're, uh, it's, we're, we're in R&D mode at the moment, aren't we? You know, you've done so many podcasts, but doing a live broadcast, a live recording of one is a kind of a new one for you. And also on Sunday, we have yeah. the book launch for Tittle Tattle. I have Michael Kennedy. Indeed, indeed. And it's a, I suppose we're trying to do a number of like gentle events outdoors. Um, and Michael has written this really lovely, lovely, funny book that uh, brings you back to uh, British theatre in the, in the 50s and 60s. Um, and it's just a great, great read. So we're launching that at the Dome um, on Sunday morning. And we'll have it, it'll be on sale there um, at our kind of information stand. Um, all the way through the festival, I think from three to five every day. So that'll be something if you're if you like theatre. He's got some amazing stories. Exactly. Well, the best to look. So it's it starts as I said 
this Saturday till the following yeah. Sunday. So we mm, look forward absolutely. to it. Absolutely. It'll go by in a flash, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah, looking forward to getting things started. Now you're going to hear from Louise Nealon, whose debut novel Snowflake came out in May and went straight to number one in the bestseller charts. And Louise is going to be my guest on Tuesday for my first podcast live in what I hope is going to be a unique conversation with Louise, who is a great interviewee. And we're going to be discussing her amazing year from getting her book deal to writing the book to getting it launched. Louise has been called the voice of her generation and she's got a lot of great things to say about mental health, about the writing process. So we really look forward to that. And here's a little clip now to give you a flavour of Louise. It's called No and I, it's been 10 years in the making. So uh, actually when I went out for lunch with my secondary school English teacher, I had the idea for it. Um, and yeah, and, uh, that's an idea that stayed with me over, over 10 years and the characters changed and the setting changed. It was originally set in America because I wanted to write a big story. So all the big stories were set in America. And now I imagine the characters actually live down the road from me, um, in a kind of parallel universe. Uh, so all of the landscape is the same. It's just peopled by different characters to to the people in my life um so yeah I, it's about a girl um very much mined from my own experiences it's about a girl who grows up on a dairy farm and goes to college in Dublin um but where she differs from me is that she has um kind of an odd family her mom um suffers with mental health conditions um, um bipolar and um, manic depression and she believes that she's able to dream other people's dreams um and she kind of doesn't really engage with reality and she's locked up in her bedroom um and debbie gets on really well with her uncle who lives in a caravan in the back of out the back of their house um and he's uh, a gas character and everyone loves him and he's kind of trying to help debbie to navigate um life so so he thinks that going to university, she kind of break free of of her mother's kind of where her mother is. And is it surreal then when you get a book deal and Element Pictures option it? And Fergal, I, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to process it to be honest. Um, it's great, but like in the time that like I got the book deal, coronavirus was just kicking off, so it actually felt very. It, the world feels surreal as it is now. Uh, and it's kind of like, here's everything you ever wanted, um, but don't go outside or yeah. <laughs> only stay within 5k. <laughs> so I'm still not sure if it's real. I like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're real, if this is just all happening inside my head. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really overwhelming, but wonderful. And I'm trying to be more excited than nervous or fearful. And even now, I, I still struggle with um, the idea that I make my living from writing because uh, in many ways, I don't feel good enough. <laughs> and uh, if you do actually just um, sit down and write and see writing as, as a verb and not as like a job or some big thing, if you write anything at all, you're a writer. And like in the same way that if you run, you're a runner. 
you know and if you just if I found that if I stripped back the idea that it wasn't something to approach with some kind of um expectation it was just an activity that I did that I enjoyed and um and not to beat myself up about how many words I was writing or what I was writing or if it was any good to just do it um, and enjoy it and try to enjoy it at least. Um, and I really get a lot out of it. Yeah, I loved it. And you're, you know, like your, your book has been uh, Element Pictures have, have taken yeah. it on. And Sally Rooney, I think, is a big influence, isn't she, over the last few years, encouraging people to... I think I know I owe an awful lot to to Sally. Sally was actually um I don't know her personally, but she was a year ahead of me in in college, and um I think she's done so much for um young Irish uh female authors without even meaning to. Um, she's like the very fact that she was like on Barack Obama's reading list, like to be on a an American president, well, uh, respected American president, yeah, exactly. <laughs> reading list um, as a like as a young um, female author is is incredible, um, and we've worked a long time for it to be to level the playing field, and yeah, it's so good to see, especially with all of the all of our history um, as Irish women of being oppressed and the mother of baby homes news that's going on like Irish women have been silenced for so many years and it was only a matter of time that we'd find our voice and I really think there is a cacophony of of Irish female voices um out there and it's it's a reaction to um having stuff to say um and and Sally's definitely Sally Rooney's definitely at the at the forefront of that um yeah maybe even on the other side of the coin you kind of go there were probably always their voices that never got the chance yeah yeah and and when you look back on it like well I'm a huge fan um of Edna O'Brien she's one of my um major um writers um growing up uh she was just a powerhouse um and she was treated quite badly by the Irish press you know um when her books got banned and burned and the priests, yeah. <laughs> and and then there was, there's uh, Nulo Fuelan and there's a resurgence of her um, with the exhibition in the Museum of Literature. I think June Caldwell um, set that up and it's great seeing that. Um, yeah, there always was Mary Lavin as well. Yeah. But these are women who, like some of them had families and they just found found a way you know, I do think that we have it better than, than they did. And, and I'm very grateful for that. Have you found like loads of people talk about writing more or baking or whatever podcasting during lockdown? Have you how have you found lockdown? Is it has it helped the writing or not? Or does it make a difference? It's, yeah, I think it's very individual um, and it depends on where your head's at at any given day. You know, um, I think it's helpful that uh, there aren't too many distractions. I find I do have more time on my hands, um, but I've gotten really into, I wouldn't do writing for relaxation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't find it therapeutic. I do find it difficult and it, I do treat it as a job. 
um, it's sort of like exercise, you know, like before you go exercising, you're really reluctant to go. But then after you've done it, you feel better. So I feel very like that with with writing. I'm very reluctant to start. And then after I've done it, I'm like, OK, glad I, glad I did that job done sort of. Um, so, yeah, I've gotten more into jigsaws and that's the, the, li- the line I always use with my kids is like for going for swimming in the sea is like you never regret it. Yeah, especially swimming in the sea. Jammed restaurants, packed beaches and queues for queues. No, thanks. Isn't the point of a getaway to, you know, get away. So here's the inside tip. With the Golden Vale, incredible hiking, two blueways and gorgeous lakeside villages, Tipperary has it all. Visit the Mitchellstown Caves, walk the Knockmeal Downs or explore the Butler Trail. Take it easy while uncovering ancient castles and hidden secrets. Tipperary is unspoilt and waiting for you. Visit tipperary.com. Supported by the Tipperary LCDC under the Leader Programme. Now we're going to hear from Eileen Atchison, who curates an evening of prose and spoken word with a group of local writers and poets who share the reflections on the festival team identity, what's in a name. We're very pleased that Clonmel Junction Arts Festival has created a, a base and a platform for the writers. Um, it had been perhaps missing, so we're feeling very welcomed by Cleana and the team. And it, the, the purpose, I suppose, for our, we're, we're a loosely formed group. Uh, we know each other through various writing events and everybody is sincerely working and then I suppose it's to get your work out there there's various ways what I think the most organic way we feel is to be actually in our home area and to have our own people welcome us and it's been very lovely feeling for the last three years so we have established Poets Fergal we have people in um, development and whatever say in between but it's a bunch of people who care about writing be it prose or poetry and they're looking for an opportunity to share their work the feedback we've been getting from people is that the variety that we have on offer there's unique writing styles and the fact that each person writes to the theme of the festival so it was a sense of place one year it's identity what's in a name this year and if people would like to know a little bit more about the background from Cleanest's point of view on that, it's very well covered in the Junction Festival, um, you know, and all the data. Yeah. But for us, what we were asked was to consider identity, what's in a name. And we were allowed to, to take that as, as loosely as we wish. It can be local or national, it can be personal or collective. And I don't want to say too much in advance, but I have work in from 18 writers and we also then have the privilege of the Wood of O, and they have three to four original songs and they've chosen from their repertoire songs that relate to identity. So that's an extra blend. They, they've actually given us their time, their second year in a row, and we're very happy to have them. It's a nice blend between and um, spoken word, you know, the poetry and prose and music. So Breach, Phelan and uh, Will McClellan will, will balance that um, during the live stream on Sunday, the 11th of July, which will be from the Geodome at one o'clock. Which is brilliant. You know, yeah. It will. Really. It'll be exciting now. It'd be, and it's between the library and the museum and the swimming pool and the band hall and the council offices. So, you know, for us, it's a new venture. We've been happily homed in the South Tip Arts Centre up to this, but obviously 
COVID, um, they had to, you know, work around restrictions. So this geodome, I think, has been a brilliant idea. And the main thing is it's live streamed. 6,000 views of our offering last year, which was on the boatman's nature. Mm. And now we were chuffed about that. It went far and wide, local, national and international. And the feedback from people was it brought the, the nature of Clonmel to them. They reminisced, they remembered places. Some people went out and went to visit those places. So this year we're hoping again, it'll go far and wide. And isn't it a really good theme? Who are we? Um, there will, of course, be a little bit of a flavour of COVID because that's um, appropriate. Um, there's some fun. Um, there's some intrigue. And there's just some downright fine writing. And um, yeah, I, I think anyone who will tune in on the 11th of July will be delighted that they joined us. We'd welcome them wholeheartedly. And I think over the last year, we really appreciated that you know, people really started thinking about, didn't they, about identity, mm. particularly their local identity, you know, so very yes. relevant. Yeah, it is actually. And Cleena will say that it's at least 18 months ago since they chose this wow. actual heading for the whole of the festival. So sometimes synchronicity just works its own magic, doesn't it, really? Yeah. And Fergus, the other thing is that people wrote specially for the theme and some had some work in their repertoire. So that's lovely as well. So a lot of newly created towards the theme and um, prose and poetry, you know. And it's great for um, the poets and the artists, etc., to to get an audience, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's really important for them. It yeah, it's a bit like otherwise you're you're in a in, in a, an echo chamber. But this way, I mean, mm. what I found over the last two or three years thanks to Junction and to other festivals that accept us and our work, that it stirs something in the heart of people, yeah. each theme, and then the unique voice towards it. And this is the thing, I suppose, before, maybe a little bit about poetry. A lot of people would only have thought about how it was taught in schools and to some of the very fine teachers and lovers of poetry, well done, because <laughs> they get mentioned um, happily. And then to people who really didn't enjoy it, or as my favourite teacher, Sister Alison Kerry, and she's, she's gone to her rest now, she used to say to us, oh, girls, it's wasted on you. You have no life experience when she was teaching about poetry. And she was so right, but she gave us an enthusiasm for it. Um, it can be hard to appreciate it. Um, but now I think people are more than ever. And if you've noticed nationally, poetry has appeared on the airwaves much more since COVID came into being as well. So look, we're, we're excited about it. They have worked so hard. And um, I can guarantee your listeners that there be, will be lovely variety. And Colin Everett is the uh, production manager. He'll be putting a lot of effort in with his team, Elizabeth Bartley, Cleena herself. And we're on the last day, so we're kind of part of the last hurrah day. And I just love to say to people, come on and listen to us on the live stream and get out about the town. There's, there's so much visual art there as well as everything that's live streamed. They have put an enormous amount of effort in and I'd just love if we'd all support everything that the Junction is putting on. You'll be hearing on Sunday the 11th of July from the following writers, Mark Roper, Patricia Cantwell, Mary O'Gorman, Rita Joyce, Margaret O'Brien, Teresa Jones, Eileen Heenahan, Mary Nugent, Jenny Cox, John Corcoran, Siobhan Ryan, Laura Cotter, Mary Claire Heffernan, Bernie Condon, Joe Whelan, Maui Barrett, Jane Clare, who is the daughter of the daughter of CJ Boland, 
the Wood of O, who are Breeze, Phelan, and Will McClellan, and myself, Eileen Atchison. Brilliant. That's a great lineup. We look forward to that. Next up, we have an interview with Jack Reardon, who is bringing Collins Hall to the festival. This interview was done at the end of last week. Collins Hall is mixing theatrical scenes with live music, and this performance brings an iconic Clamel venue back to life. So Collins Hall and the actors are, are down next week, aren't they? Is that right? That's it. So everybody arrives on Sunday, ready to work Monday morning. Uh, so that's Aina Grogan and Maeve Maxwell, two sensational actors. They both would have trained in the Lear Academy. Uh, I did my master's there, so I met them then. Uh, myself and Aina have known each other for years. We first met on stage in a production of Bugsy Malone in the White Memorial. Uh, so now we get to work together as adults, which is wonderful. Um, so yeah, the guys come down and we start rehearsing and writing and devising for what's that Tuesday the 6th we open in the dome. And people will know Maeve Maxwell from uh, Normal People. Yes, so Maeve would have played one of the school friends in Normal People and sensational actor. She's absolutely amazing. Uh, so I think the, between the two of them, it's going to be really something special. Yeah. And can you tell us about it? I'm really intrigued by this one. Sure. So it all kind of started when the museum released the McDell CD and it was this, these last recordings of McDell who was obviously an incredibly famous and well-respected uh, big band leader from Clonmel and the response from that CD to Marie in the museum was amazing there was all these letters written sharing stories and memories of the experiences of Collins Hall so we decided to take that and thought what would be an amazing experience to bring the Collins Hall back to life? And hopefully what maybe in the future might become a bit of a bigger show where people will genuinely be able to come back and put on their dancing shoes. This year is a bit of a work in progress, seeing what happens and what we can do to bring some of those stories back to life with some music as well. So James O'Donovan is going to be leading a quintet of musicians to bring some of that Dell inspired music back to life as well. Brilliant. And he's so connected with Clamel as well, isn't he? That's it. Yeah. James would be obviously in pearly whites and would have been in Banna. So he's he's got his finger on the pulse of Clamel. But finally, we have an interview now with Michael Kennedy, who will be launching his brand new book, Tittle Tattle, this Sunday, 11.30am in the Dome. Michael, as you'll see now, is a natural storyteller whose fascinating life extends from a childhood in an industrial school in Clamel to working backstage at some of the finest theatres and opera houses in the world. The books have just arrived. I'm going out to get one and I'll Brilliant. show it to you. Is, is, that, is that a beautiful moment when the book arrives in the post? Well, the, the stories have been with me for years and the fact of the matter, it was supposed to be the first book, but... My sister passed away and I decided to make 990 the first so that you can get the, the contrast from, you know, the, the upbringing in Ferry House in Clonmel and then ending up on the great stages of, of Europe in opera houses. You know, you would never credit it would happen, but it did. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been associated with so many people. So I've come back to Clonmel or I live in near Clonmel. But uh, I spent uh, 
a large part of my time in Conmel, and, and as I said, that that's where I started. You know, what what age were you when you left Clanmel? Well, I I left Clanmel when I was 15, 16. Uh, I I was in the institution from nineteen forty eight till nineteen fifty three, and um, you know it was a bad time. People who, who came later always said, "Oh, I'm glad I wasn't there in your time." It was tough. Uh, what it did teach you is how to survive and survive under really strenuous circumstances. Uh, the solution really is, or, or you could say to yourself, wallow in self-pity or else pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get, it, get, it, get on with it. And I was fortunate, I was very disciplined. Uh, and that is why I think I, I loved working with the Germans because they're so disciplined. <laughs> and they thought I was very cavalier, my approach was cavalier, but it wasn't. It's just, you know, they, it, it worked. You know, you learned, did you learn to sew or what was it? What, what yes, did you... I, I actually um, first started off in the workshops uh, making shoes. I could make a pair of shoes by the time I was 10, you know, an, an ordinary pair of shoes. And then I got violent, I got very ill. And I was in a wheelchair for a year and a half and I, I wasn't allowed to do any sports, anything like that. So as a consolation, they put me into the, the, the tailor shop. But it was years later, I discovered my father was a shoemaker. But I, I, I prefer, you know, working with leather. Uh, and I did one opera uh, in Switzerland, Janufa, and it was all leather. It was fantastic. And I loved that, you know. But it's amazing, you know, that phrase, like, what if it doesn't break you, it makes you. So. Yes, it, it, this is this is it. Um, uh, but you've got to remember that somebody always worse off than you. I mean, you, if you, if you, I mean, when I was doing Carmen with Jose Carreras, for instance, he was just recovering from cancer. And um, I mean, we, we spoke Italian all the time, which was really just Italian conversation. And he would say, you know, Michael, he said, you know, you have to fight. You can't sit back and just let it happen. You have to fight. And he came out from the other, other end of it. And, and then you had the three tenors, but you wouldn't meet a, a, a nicer man or a stronger man because he had to sing the famous aria, the flower song, and he, he was ill. And there's always somebody there standing by thinking, oh, he may not be as good as he should be, but they don't understand what he goes through. So you have to fight. And fighting is not mean fisticuffs, it means determination and willpower. And I was very determined, you know, so. And, and it, 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 served me, it served me through, but, you know, it, was no, it wasn't all roses, you know what I mean? It was a hard, hard life, but it worked, you know. So this week your book is going to be launched on Sunday at 11.30 in yeah. the Dome. Tittle Tattle. Is the name? Yes, it's Tittle It was actually supposed to be two books. Uh, one was called Skullduggery. It's actually a tribute to um, people backstage who never get any recognition whatsoever. And there is a there is drama backstage. There's comedy backstage. And if you have a very good technical crew, it's, it pays to have them on your side because they can do some terrible things. Uh, <laughs> For the simple fact, just real skullduggery, but we it decided then to make it into the one book. 
So just to let people know uh, a little bit about yourself. So as we said, you started off in Clonmel, you went to London, I think it is, and you got into the theatre business, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't go to London. I went to oh. a, a city called Bristol. Oh, yeah, Bristol. Because my brother was there. I hadn't seen my brother until I was six, 17. Didn't, didn't even know I had one. And uh, I, it was a throwaway remark. Uh, I was going to, it's in the book, actually, about going to a, a New Year's party. And the, the young man, the, the guy who, who hired the costumes was stoned out of his mind. And I just a throwaway remark. And, uh, he said, nobody can make these costumes anymore. The country's gone to the dogs. I said, look, why don't you go up to this guy? He, they'll do it for you. I forgot all about it. And then three weeks later, the, when I worked, they, they, they called me down and said, you know, there's three, two guys here from the, from the theatre and you make costumes. And of course I didn't. But it started off, because I could draft and all this sort of stuff, the guy said, the designer said, you if you can do that, you can do this. Give it a try. And my first play was the um, Hobson's Choice. Um, uh, and I'd never been inside the theatre before. And I was really, really green, as you could say. And then... And where, and where was that? Where, where was that? I was the Bristol Old Vic Little Theatre. They had a mate, they had two big theatres in, 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 or two theatres in Bristol. The Bristol Theatre Royal. The Bristol Old Vic Theatre Royal. But they had a smaller theatre called the Little Theatre. And they put on plays, good plays there, but Hobson's Choice was there. So I did the costumes for that. And, um, and I learned very quickly how to handle what they call quick change. You know, sometimes you can, you got 20 seconds to change from one costume to another. So it was, they, everybody was happy. And then they came back for another one with uh, Private Lives with Paul Eddington. He was in, he was in uh, Yesminster. So I, I, that's how it started. Then the, the parent Olvik company came along and they wanted me to do The Way of the World, the Congress play. And I had never, no knowledge. So I, I thought to myself, I went to these meetings and I kept, I kept my mouth shut because I didn't know what was going on. So you could say that over the years, theater has been my education from, from opera to ballet to musicals, to drama, to review, to, um, uh, uh, you could see, what was the, there was, there was a, I, I did a lot of review with string fellows in London, uh, with the scantily class ladies, you know, and I always thought, that if, if only the priests in Ferry House could see this guy standing up, these new bile women, with all they were wearing was a smile. <laughs> you had to laugh at it, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you, you, it, it, was, it was wonderful. I didn't like review because uh, to me, it, 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 something was missing. You know, I just, I, I, I mean, you're going from opera to ballet to drama, every, every period you could imagine from Doctor Who up to doing something like, you know, uh, Dolly, Dolly uh, mixtures and, you know, it's, it's all, it's all, it's great fun, but it was hard work. It was hard work. And what would you call yourself then? What what was your like? Is it... I would be known as a costumier. Okay. A lovely fancy word indeed. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had an approach to life, like I know. I mean, I, I I loved what I did. I was very disciplined, but I had a streak of mischievous in me, you know, which sometimes got me into trouble, but never sort of <laughs> enough to be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I saw in your book, like your first, I mean, you were offered that job in the old Vic, you were offered Stratford-upon-Avon the same day. Yes, you know? I was offered after Bristol Old Vic, the Royal Stratford Shakespeare Company offered me a job. Uh, and I, I had the choice, but I didn't like, I didn't like the, the guy because he had this sort of condescending attitude. And and, the, and I don't like that sort of attitude. I mean, you, you are, you are, we're all equal. I don't like bullies, you know, and and, and that's a, 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 I inherited that from fairy house. Bullying is, is is dreadful, and it doesn't come in. It comes in many forms. Uh, I had one actor who said I should call him sir, and I said no way would I call you sir. And he said, well, you have to. I'm a knight. I said I don't care who you are. I'm not going to call you sir. So he said I'll report you to the management. I said you can do that. I don't care. I said, no, I'm not responsible for the management. But what I told him, <laughs> he could do what he saw. I couldn't, couldn't repeat. <laughs> but in the end, he realized I couldn't. I wasn't going to do it. So I treated everybody the same, you know. The stars were the same. They're the same as you and me. Mm -hmm. You know, we have our strengths, we have our weaknesses. But you learn to, to handle people in a way. You find a common denominator. And then they, they, come, they come down to, you know, uh, I bring them down to my level. I don't go up to their, I can't go up to their level. So I bring them down to my level. But uh, I never had any trouble all the years, ever, all the years, you know, I've never had any trouble. And um, wherever I went, it must have been okay because it kept coming back and requesting my work and I was headhunted everywhere. And you, you would get to know the actors very well because you'd be spending a lot of time with them, wouldn't you? Oh, yes. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I think I've done nearly every, I, I did thousands of actors that got through my hands from Sir John Mills, Michael Redgrave, oh, you name them, I've, I've got through the whole lot. Comedians, you know, straight actors. Uh, I mean, there were thousands, I've lost, I lost track of them. I see some of them on television now and I think, oh, I know that face. And I know the story behind this. One fellow was on the other day and uh, he was in a Marple thing, Miss Marple. And I remember he was going for an interview and he wanted me to sort of repair his trousers. I did, but I wouldn't give him the trousers back because he owed me money. <laughs> he stood there in his underpants and he had to get an interview. I thought, hang on a minute, you owe me money. Uh, whenever I see him, I think of the little story. I wouldn't give him his trousers back. So he had to cough up. Do you have a, pre I mean, you, as you said, you've gone, you've worked with so many famous actors. Do you have any preferences? Like I know you were with Peter O'Toole. Well, I have an actor that nobody, I have all the actresses I, I like. I, I liked, uh, I, I, I thought the best actress I've ever seen was Sorica Cusack. Wow. Sorica Cusack has inherited her father's technique of the long pause. The long pause, <laughs> they want all, this, all, this, all the Cusack girls do it. And it, the long pause is a wonderful technique of whereby you have to look at them and wait for the, for the punchline. And O'Toole's daughter uh, rang him up one day and said, I'm acting with, with Cusack. He said, how do I handle the long pause? He said, well, have a longer pause. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But, you know, she was great. She did a play up in Birmingham, uh, some Steinbeck play. It was absolutely mesmerizing. Brenda Fricker is another. But of the old men, I mean, O'Toole was a genius and, and, and uh, Peter stuff. But the guy I really like, you probably never heard of him, a guy called Strother Martin. He, Strother Martin is an American actor who plays a bum, a wino, everything. But he's, he's such great fun. I, and I did my research into him and I discovered he missed the Olympics by 
two hundredths of a second in diving. But in, and I saw I saw him in a movie. I didn't know who he was. I saw this guy diving in a movie, and I thought, "Geez, that guy is a real professional." So I did my research into him. I love his acting. He's a real little fellow. He's always in the. <laughs> He's always a bum or something going wrong, but I, he just makes me laugh. And and so we open on on a, on a, on Sunday, book signing on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday from eleven thirty to three o'clock. But you should really read nine ninety before you read this, so you get the benefit of of tittle tattle. Tittle tattle is this. Do you have a preference between? You know, like say opera or plays or movies or. Well, I am a great uh, fanatic for Beethoven. I love Beethoven. I did a play called Beethoven's Tent with Peter Ustinov, and I've never laughed so much in all my life. And uh, <laughs> and there's two stories about him in the book, but I won't tell you the stories. You have to read it. But they're both comical. But he was a genius. I think he acted. He acted the. Uh, Lodge delivery off the stage, off the screen, in um, Spartacus when he was haggling for the slaves. He was he was an absolute genius. But um, I, 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 Beethoven is my man. I like opera, but for me, Beethoven, I, I you know that sort of stuff. It, it's um, I like classical music. I like all music, you know, jazz and everything. But uh, uh, even country western. Uh, if you listen to the lyrics of some of the stories. It's poetry, you know. I like certain plays, and and but opera, I think, was the was the case, you know. I did, I didn't, I didn't do much ballet. I didn't want to do ballet so much. Um, I did a ballet for New York um, as well. Uh, I did operas for Russia, all over the place, you know. So I, I never went to Russia. I wouldn't go um, because of the communist regime. Um, but I sent them off, you know. And, and, but most of the opera houses in Europe are run by the Germans, you know, uh, and I got I get on very well with them. They they because I like the way they work, and I have a very short time frame to work. I fly in, airport, opera house, opera house, hotel, hotel, opera house, and back to the airport. So you have to condense your work into a short space of time, using the facilities that they've got. So what you bring with you for, with you is your skill, you know, and. And you find that if you have that skill and you have the honesty of the skill, you, you'll always be able to do something, you know. So it's wonderful, you know. Exactly. So that is brilliant. So it's Sunday at 11.30 a.m. in the Dome is Tittle Tattle's the name of the book and that'll be the launch. Thank you so much, yeah. Michael. And then it's on it's on the Tuesday and the, and the yeah. Monday is, and Tuesday as well. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's it for this week and just to remind you that the festival starts this Saturday from the 3rd until Sunday week the 11th and the whole programme is on junctionfestival.com and you can find everything there, book tickets for online etc there and also to remember another episode next Thursday. So we look forward to talking to you then. Clonmel Junction Arts Festival, which takes place from the 3rd to the 11th of July.